0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network.
1: Hello everyone and uh, welcome to the AI Premier League preview show after a desperately dull draw at Old Trafford uh keeps the reds uh Oh, back to the top of the league, one point clear, the thinnest of margins of course, uh, the games keep coming thick and fast, with Klopside looking to hopefully get back to winning ways um, against Watford as they arrive at Anfield this Wednesday. Uh, joining me on the pod tonight to help me preview that game, I have uh, John Mooney from Watford podcast from the rookery end, an AI regular, AI everyman really, uh, Guy Drinkle. Welcome guys. Hello. Uh, Good to speak with you, uh, John. Um, You've you've caught me, uh, you've caught all reds, really, after uh, what was a very drab sort of nil-nil draw at Old Trafford, um, trying to take the positives out of, of course, the nil-nil, putting you top of the league in in late Feb, and it's a record points total, it's all this, it's all that. Um, uh, Very hard to sort of read it. I I guess it's all put into context by just what City are doing. Um, But, of course, the focus moves immediately on to, to Watford's arrival, uh, at Anfield this, um, uh, this Wednesday. And, uh, of course, we find you in, in good form. I think it's, uh, just, just one loss from the last 10 games off the back of three consecutive wins, one in the cup, of course, uh, and a 5-1 thrashing of, uh, of Cardiff, uh, with a Gerard Delafeo hat trick. I, I believe I read it was the first hat trick that's, uh, been scored, uh, by Watford in the top flight since 1986. So it's, uh, yeah, one for the history books, that one. But I just wanted to ask you first and foremost, John, um, you know, following that 5-1 where do we find Watford at, at the moment of course seventh in the table you've reached that magic total of, uh, of 40 points but uh, just how how are things
2: they, they are really good i mean we are in our, our fourth season now as a as a premier league side um, and it you know there's in the past few seasons pretty much by now the wheels have fallen off uh, and we're all screaming because the rollercoaster is about to crash um, it, ha- it it hasn't happened yet and also it's not going to happen but we are in a much more um uh i think in, in a mental state as, a, as a, a footballing side in a much stronger position a much mentally stronger position and that sort of does come through uh javi gracia um by this time last year he would just joined uh, and we'd said uh thank you very much um sod off to uh marco silva um and you know, he did spend the rest of that season of last year just sort of sorting things out, making sure we, we got to the to safety and, and had another season. And this year it, it just feels completely different. Um maybe, you know, past managers, including Marco, including um, Walter Mazzari and and, and Kike uh Santos Flores, who we've had in the in the Premier League seasons, maybe they were um tacticians and great footballing minds. But there seems to be because of this fall off that we've had They're just not level-headed people, managers. Uh, And Harry really has sorted that out. And you could start seeing it happen at the the end of last year, the fact that he got uh, a a team that was just terrible and desperate um, and got something from them. Uh, And it's just growing. When we started this year in fantastic form um, with our win at home against Tottenham after, you know, basically, what was win-win-win? And and that put us in a strong position. And we have done that before, though. And uh we are as you say just coming off the back of of three wins um yeah one was against QPR in the cup uh, the one was against Everton you know i know how much you guys like to to beat everton this year for us it was a much more important thing um especially at home with the return of marco um and the fact that you know this this week we've uh now been announced that they will be paying 4 million pounds compensation uh for trying to turn his head which clearly they did because of how he just disappeared from the Watford uh, mindset uh, and everything started to go so badly uh, over you know, December and November, December time last year. Yeah. So he being them at home was a massive lift. Uh, follow that up by an FA cup and how hey, you knew in the final. That's, you know, so we, we, you know, not a rarity for Watford, but it is not a, a regular, a regular thing. Um, and then The 5-1 last week, uh, well, this week, should I say, on Friday night against Cardiff, I think really, for me, sums up that they, it's more than just uh, a a team that's grinding out results. It's a team that's having fun um, and expressing themselves. And that doesn't always happen. And that just, again, as I said, not at this time of year, it hasn't happened. And the fact that, you know, every, every football fan looks well. You know, you guys played Manchester United today. Well, they're below you in the league, so therefore you should win. That's sort of how you mentally look at the, the league. And when Watford play Cardiff, they're lower down in the league, so we should beat them. And yeah, you should beat them. Um, they are in their their mental place with the with the death of uh, of, of Salah. You know that they they were there for. You know, if, if things went well, it, it, it could be a win. But five just shows um, how things are going. And and a player like Delfaou who, yes, he came from Barcelona. We weren't buying Lionel Messi. We were just buying a Barcelona player. And he was a loan in the last year, doing great, has done some wonderful things so far this season. He's playing up front with Troy Deeney, which doesn't feel like his natural place. He sort of You want, you want to think he wants to play wide and drift in, um, but he is playing as a, as a two up front. And he's did a couple of one-on-one, more than a couple one on ones uh, with with goalkeepers this season, and just has fluffed his lines too many times. But today, you know, this, this weekend he scored two brilliant one on ones, uh, and you think that's a big thing for him, uh, and that's a big thing for the club because it's it's the timing of it. Um, it's the timing of that 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 turn in his his form that could be fantastic for us uh, going forward uh, for the last eleven games that we've got. Um, no, we're not going to get into uh, automatic into Europe. Uh, I think even in seventh place, we're 10 points off six. Um, and we're not going to win four more games than Chelsea. Well, maybe not. No, we aren't going to win four more games than Chelsea. Um, so we, we are a club that have always tried to be the best of the rest. Uh, and this is our opportunity to do that. Um, and and you, you are the first of many Awful away games, you know, against top six sides. We've got you, we've got the two Manchester clubs, and we've got Chelsea away. Uh, we've also got uh, Arsenal at home. But all the other games, we're definitely going to those games thinking we'd get something. And I think this is probably the first time we've, we're, we're turning up at Anfield, where we really have been on the opposite end uh, of what Cardiff were. were um, we were we were the Cardiff, let's say, of the situations where we lost by two too many goals uh, at your place. Where I'm not going to say we're, we're, we've got a chance of winning. Of course you do. This is professional football. We know what, what can happen. But we're in a such better place um, where to get something from the game doesn't feel like I'm a stupid fan looking and being glass, uh, you know, glass eyed uh, at, uh, at what could what could happen on Wednesday.
1: Sure. No, I think I think one thing that's certainly come across from any of the games I've I've watched uh, of Watford's this season definitely is that enjoyment that you mentioned. I think especially towards the start of the season when you were seeing um, you guys picking up uh, such early momentum in the results you were getting, um, the football did seem free flowing. It seemed confident amongst the players. Obviously, Pereira had that sort of fantastic start to the season as well, and everybody rushing to try and throw him in there. Their fantasy, uh, sort of football <laughs> teams. People just didn't realize that, of course, he was going to be the one who, who would have such a strong start to the season. Um, and there being stability, uh, we'll definitely come on to talk about that a little bit with Javi Gracia and just you know, the difference of a, uh, having a manager who's there consistently. You don't have to worry about maybe, um, continually shuffling your, um, shuffling the deck into the managers. And, and you mentioned there Marco Silva, uh, and yourselves. It, it, it was a, Bit, bit of the snake derby as well wasn't it in terms of actually uh, uh, Rick yes. Carlison as well obviously um, oh, I'm not sure if he left on as sort of bad terms As it I don't think
2: to, you can leave on bad terms if you get paid £50 million pounds. Right, exactly, I don't think that's yeah. possible but <laughs> so, you know Ricky, Ricky as we like to call him mm-hmm. uh, had a, a you know he a, a, a great start and a, a terrible sort of end to the season showed his uh, his place let's say uh, and his uh, in his professional career and showed how young he was, um, and had the growth he still had to come. Um, and that's, that's pretty much what's happening again at Everton with him. Um, he still, he definitely has on his return. He got, he didn't get as many boos as Marco got. Um, I think the booze he did get is because how wildly he celebrated when he scored against us at, uh, Goodson Park. Um, but he, uh, he got run you know he got substituted he was run ragged um, and couldn't really be effective uh, and that's that's his season so yeah that's uh where we are with those those two at Everton
1: mm, absolutely and you mentioned of course sort of that last win taking up to 40 points it was actually you know end of last season of course 38 games you actually got 41 points in the entirety of the season and 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 those that's three points to get you to uh To that total, I think they came in the penultimate game actually against Newcastle. um, I think it was so. I mean, beyond the progression that you've seen in terms of how you're playing football and sort of the tactical sort of um, setup that you're employing and everything like that, the actual points total on the board—it's it's it's there for everyone to see. Um, Helped, of course, by the sort of the really great start that you guys did, of course, um, after the season. So I I guess it's logical that we sort of move on to. Focusing a little bit more on, on, uh, Javi Gracia. I mean, um, Watford, since you, 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 came into the Premier League, I mean, I think people have been sort of very intrigued by this policy of the owners, to, you know, to, to, sort of, uh, chop and change with the managers, um, and it's seeming to prove and, and have success, um, from doing that. Um, Javi Gracia is a sort of a break from that approach a little bit, of course, giving him the consistency, giving him the time to, uh, to manage and try and try and form his own, um, or imprint his own, his own identity onto this Watford side. Um, what have you made of Javi Gracia and, and how he's grown into the role? I guess both as, um, sort of spokesperson off off the pitch and in terms of getting on with the fans, everything like that, all that important stuff, but then also, um, how he's looked to sort of mold, uh, this Watford side in his own image.
2: What, what most people don't understand about Watford is we have been amazingly consistent with our management and that's not the management of the uh the games and the the man who ch- picks the team but what we have is a very stable very large um uh backroom staff uh who look after all our player recruitment and that's part of the Pozzo family and, and everything they've done with Udinese uh, Granada and now Watford for decades now um and that's where the the consistency of Watford has always been it's finding those those slightly rough diamonds It's getting someone like Delafayou and Pereira from Juventus and Barcelona. Why them? Well, no one can sign Lionel Messi, but there's something not quite right about them at those clubs, but now we're sort of being able to bring them through. And they are finding the right sort of players, the right sort of mentality. And what hasn't really happened is the managers we've had haven't been the men to to form that uh, and make what we... They were never able to make the players better than the sum of their parts. And, and Javi is doing that. Um, he feels like a friend. And I think what more than anything, he does understand the Watford way. What Graham Taylor created in the 1980s, what we as fans have continued and, and still feel is our football club. Um, that is what he has embraced. And he feels like he gets that. And shows that off, and I think it's his man management that is so important, especially with the way that the club is run, uh, with our the wider uh, beyond Watford player recruitment. So that's where he he sort of fits, and he knows his role. You know, Marco Silva last year, straight away he was um, grumbling because one of the players that we had had been sent out. And he wasn't talked about it. Well, that's not your role. Um, what well, every other manager we've had in the past has already brought in a few of their own players, not massively, not Harry Redknapp saying, "Right, well, need to change all eleven players." You know, there's a couple of players they've brought in that were, were their players to try and define. And actually, Harry hasn't done that. Harry has literally taken what he's been given and formed it into a team, a squad, uh, a gathering of 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 men who can who can fight and, and play decent decent football
1: hmm.
2: so that's where his real strength is um and i you know I, I couldn't tell you the way he he's not sam allardyce i don't know how he's he played football for the last 15 20 years so he has you know they're all variations on a theme really um how they you know different uh managers from the, the continent like to play football um and it's at the moment it's a a four-two-two-two. it seems but. Again, football formations are fluid, and he does adapt. Um, and he's kept a happy camp, um, and that's that's the the biggest thing I think he could have done. Uh, and that's why it, it's working, even when he does make changes depending on on who we're playing.
1: Yeah, because I, I seem to remember in the past as well, not just uh, uh, with Silva, but with with Sanchez Flores as well. Um, sort of so similar grumblings around um, you know, not having uh Not necessarily full control, but more of an influence on the players that did come in as you mentioned some of the managers four four managers had brought in some of their own players, and maybe they were keen to to do more of that but as you mentioned there's quite a you know quite a stable model there in the background that has worked and and, and proved successful over the years, so why change it uh instead find somebody who who's happy fitting into that which seems to be the way with um uh happy and what you said there um is, is, is there a sense that then, then, um, that there, uh, could be more stability then in, terms of Gracia having a, a, a longer term sort of stay at the club? I mean, if he is so happy to go along with the way in which, uh, you know, the club is operated in terms of scouting players, um, you, the, the actual type of players that you, you, you tend to scout and bring in, um, because he fits in so well to it and is isn't sort of rocking the boat per se, um, could we see him last year? in the job for a number of years that that, that would certainly be the hope i'd imagine
2: uh, it is and the fact that he's been uh, after when did he get it the, just before christmas was given a new right okay. gosh, is it three or five year contract i can't remember what he was given but um i think the you know scott duxbury who's our ceo chairman you know he the way he talks um he knows he's the right he they found the right type of person for watford now at this point um and how we're sort of developing. Um, and, and in the past, Scott has had said, you know, he, he sort of did see managers as a, a two-year basis um, and a two-year role. And I, I don't think necessarily with with Harvey that's the case. Um, it, it's not there. He doesn't feel like I say it, it doesn't feel like he's there to do that thing that managers do to, to lift a club to do something and then fade out. It's he's part of the long term. And I think if you embrace the system, you become part of the system and you can influencer system um, and then the types of players and who who they're going to recruit rather than just saying well I need to sign two players you know I need to sign this band and I need to sign this person that you know you start to de- be part of it and you start to develop something bigger than just making a couple of signings uh, to to get your way uh, in in playing so he I think he will be around for 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 quite a while
1: yes it sounds a lot a lot actually like um not dissimilar from sort of the rumblings that were going around when, when Klopp was first appointed at Liverpool. Actually, I remember there was lots of, um, sort of discussion around sort of Liverpool's transfer committee, for example, or, you know, the, uh, I think it was, um, uh, laptop gurus in air conditioned rooms is how one sort of, I think it was a Daily Mail article that, 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 that sort of tried to, uh, paint Mike, um, not Mike Gordon, but sort of the, the chief scouts at Liverpool in, in, in sort of a weird light and sort of in, in a very different, um, uh, or not, in, not in alignment with Brendan Rodgers at the time, of course. And then Klopp comes in, uh, you know, having been used to sort of a, a model very similar to that first press conference. He's asked a bunch of questions about it and, and more or less just bats them away going, well, well, obviously, you know I mean I, I, I can't do everything. I, I'm quite happy to fit into this. Uh, these guys spend their lives doing, you know, scouting, etc. I can't watch everything. Uh, and, and it seems as though it's just ever since that put onwards, we, we didn't seem to have any sort of focus on, or, or the focus now seems to be on just the great work that they're doing uh, in collaboration. But but again, then moving on to the players themselves, and we can talk about uh, Delphoe as, as one of the new arrivals in in a little bit. But um, uh, I'm interested. You look at the the sort of the top goal scorers, and um, I mean front and centre. I mean, in, I'm fascinated by Troy Deeney really as a footballer, both by sort of the really. I mean, he's endeared himself to Liverpool fans with all the complimentary things he said about Van Dijk this season, to be honest. Um yeah. But also, um just fascinates me that, I mean, with a footballer like Troy Deeney, you could have been well within your rights, I guess, to, to understand that at a point, there was going to come a point where Watford would evolve beyond, you know, Troy Deeney being such a focal point, in the team, obviously having a huge influence uh, off the pitch as well and, and being a huge character at the club, but you, you wonder whether how long he'd be effective. Um, he's top goal scorer for you again at, at the moment, eight goals and, and, and three assists. Um, just on, on Dini then for, for a little bit, um, how much of a, um, a key influence has he been this season? I mean, aside from those goals, I think the
2: influence is he seems to be more of a team player. Now, Troy is, the longest you know he next year was his tenth season as a Watford player. Um we bought him for Warsaw from Warsaw for you know a couple hundred thousand pounds. Uh and he you know, as you he, we probably know about six years ago, uh he had some time away uh on her Majesty's service, um or by her with a pleasure shall I say, uh in, in jail. And he just came back a different uh a man who wants to prove something and a different mentality. And that sort of continued. Um, under Zola, I think he started to learn quite a lot and adapt himself. And that's just come from lots of different players. And And there were occasions on our podcast where we, we've talked about him, um, you know, this time of the season, you know, when it's coming to the end and will Troy be here next year? And I think he will be here next year. What he might not be, why we didn't think before was because you knew he was too much of a big character. And was he being too influential to these managers who weren't having a good time? Because, you know, we, we had dinner with him once. You know, we did a special podcast um, just before we got promoted from the championship on our fifth anniversary of doing the podcast. We sat down for like three hours with him. The podcast was only an hour, but we just chatting to him. And he's just a normal bloke. But he has that sort of character that you wouldn't expect to fit with a continental manager. Um, but he's adapted. Uh, I think he knows his role. And Delafayu and him seem to fit. Starting to fit a, a lot better. Um is a, a, a different level of character, so player player uh, that he's used to. But he is—he is Mister he Watford. Um, he will, in the grand scheme of things, uh, get the status of of of, of a playing legend. Um, that word gets far too overused uh, in football, but he will get that uh, when he he whenever he leaves or whenever he retires. Um and him being a consistency is an important part as well, uh, for for this Watford squad and and for us as fans. Uh, and that can never never be uh, understated. You know, he has the you know, the, the sort of placement that Stephen Gerrard had uh with you guys, um that sort of key iconic player um that can that does more than just Win games of football
1: for you? No, absolutely. I mean, it's it's it, it's clear that it's more than that. It's clear, I and mean, obviously, you, you can look and see he's his top goalscorer. He's obviously he's influential in that sense, but it definitely extends beyond that. And um, it's uh, it, it, it's good to see. Uh, I, th- I think what you were saying there about him having such a, a huge influence, and not necessarily when managers were doing too well, um, but now everything does seem to be uh, in, in, in perfect harmony at the moment. Of course, his role, you'd imagine, would, would gradually diminish as he gets older, uh, and, and maybe, uh, um, Grassi is working to sort of integrate some of these younger players that you have scouted into the team and, and, giving them a, uh, a more focal role in, in the team, but, um, certainly seems to have a huge, a huge influence amongst, uh, amongst the squad still. Um, and you mentioned Della Feo there as well, uh, of course, the, the biggest signing that you brought in, um, in the past transfer window, uh, a player you, you summed up quite well, well earlier on as well in terms of from the little time we, we had seen him in the Premier League, we came across him, uh, with Everton, of course, um, clearly got bags of talent in there, but of course it was that end product. It was that final decision making, uh, in front of goal often, or even, uh, doesn't providing assists that seemed to be lacking a little bit. I'm aware that the, the hat-trick is, of course, padding these stats a little bit, six goals and four assists. Um, and you mentioned to me as well that there were occasions where he'd, he'd been wasteful in front of goal. Um, but why do you think that he is um, sort of settling a, a little bit better of late?
2: Well, he didn't really, he didn't start the season. He didn't really come into the squad until, god, late October. Um, and he came back, it was a away game at Wolves. Um so we, we'd had him on loan uh, after Christmas, or January, last season, played a couple of games, literally played a couple of games, and then got injured. And he was out and for the rest of the season. But he stuck around at Watford and it was like, well, we thought he, that meant he's he, a good chance that he's going to um, be signed over the summer. It took a bit longer than we thought, but he, he was signed. Um, and he, him and Pereira just seemed to be that creative flamboyance that uh, we we were really lacking, and uh, you know to to add that extra dimension to a squad. Pereira we signed a while ago under Walter Mazzari, but he's had massive spells out with injury as well. So Delphay, you know, has only been playing in our squad for a few months really this this season, and playing with Troy. Uh, as, a, as a two up front, has taken time to sort of settle, and it really felt Saturday and on, on Friday uh, away at Cardiff, you could just see them just sort of just really starting to sink in with each other, um, and he's just really got it, and he started to get it, but he's still a young young lad. It does like I say it was it's been a while since he was at Everton, but you know I think he's only twenty four, so he's, he's still got time to develop, um, and and being at a club like Watford is the the thing for him. Um, I think for maybe at least another season um, to have a full season injury free um, that can help him develop uh, and, and, you know, improve those one-on-ones um, that makes him more consistent rather than just what was I mean, one off on, on, on Friday at, at Cardiff. But yeah, he, he is the sort of feels like in terms of our, our recruitment, he is the next level Um and the next type of player that we needed to sort of start to bring into our football club. And he's he's working out very well.
1: Another player who's obviously working out very well, um, as well, especially towards the, the start of the season, most eye catchingly, of course, was Roberto Pereira. You mentioned he, he, him, him signing uh, earlier for you guys. Uh, I mean, why do you think it's clicked a little bit uh, more for him this season as well? Because even in the games where he hasn't, uh, scored or assisted, he, he has seemed to be very influential. Um, uh, do you think it's a, a, again this is another example of a player uh benefiting from the consistency that um and, and and just time at the club
2: the benefit is playing games of football uh it isn't just the consistency being of the manager fit, yeah. it's being fit uh, and there was definitely a spell when he got he first got injured and was out for a while you could just tell he was worried um and wasn't quite 100% into uh football and the games um and and maybe not you know going to tackles as much. Uh and that's that's gone now. He's got he's got back his he's not just confidence in his ability, but confidence in his body. Um and I think that's what's been great for him this year. And in fact last year when uh Richarlison was with us, uh Richarlison was playing out wide, which is where he is better suited uh, and you know, to to cut in. Uh, and he was not just isn't quite in his right place. Uh, and and didn't have as a an, as an effective season. This year he's played in the right place. Uh, he's been fit and he's played games of football. And I think that's that's the reason he's he's just shining a little bit more even in his third year.
1: No, of course there's there's absolutely nothing better than that. Is there? I mean I mean we we always used to, used to feel that way with Daniel Sturridge as well. And, and in some senses he's he's probably, I think it's probably gone beyond that now in terms of him never. Uh, Never really going to be able to re- to recapture the heights that he had when he uh, was first sort of banging in the goals for us uh, a few years ago now. But you-, you could always tell when he first came back there was that hesitance around his body. You know, was he perhaps trusting himself? Things like that, and just you can't really resolve it unless you have games on the pitch, can you? So it's uh, it's it's a tough one without that. Of course, um, he is fit currently, isn't he, Pereira? He-
2: he- uh, he's had a couple of games out, but um, I would, uh, but yes, I would say he was he's fit to play yeah okay. so his last injury was only a, yeah a couple of weeks sure
1: and besides the players that i've mentioned there of course you, with you having watched you know, f- far more of Watford this season than me. me i'd hope anyway um uh, is there anybody who's gone under the radar i mean it's very it's very easy to talk about goal scorers or people who do the the glamorous stuff in terms of the assists um is there anybody else that you'd like to highlight as as being key to the success that you've had uh, this season
2: the, the two men who are have for quite a while felt like they will be our players of the season is one is Ben Foster in goal um, you know we've had Herrera Gomez as our number one for a while now uh, and has done a fantastic job but Ben just has just is, has been the next level we had him on loan 10 years ago when he was a very young lad uh, and came over from West Brom in, in the summer and he's been fantastic um, and definitely he if he doesn't win our player of the year I don't know what's wrong with the voting system Etienne um, uh, Capoue in the middle of the of the of the pitch is in a different headspace as well. He's been part of our squad since we came to the Premier League, um, but when it got cold, Etienne started to disappear a bit and wasn't quite as playing at, at full throttle. And he's just kept going. He's just kept going all season. Um, him and Decoré in the middle are a, a really great partnership, and they really sort of sorted that out this year. Um, and you know, know each other really, really well. Uh, and they 've been fantastic but the the yeah, the other part of of our model uh is to buy these young players and and develop them and will Hughes, who we got everyone remembers him from from derby um you know I think he probably was linked with you guys at some point when he was about fifteen years old and started to shine at derby. He has been consistent um uh, in our squad and he 's just the, the 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 workhorse that you need uh and you want. In, in any squad but he's again that sort of younger player that's been wonderful um and it's just yeah just showing his his true side and, and what he can he can do and, and just needs more games before he can show and maybe potentially move on to something more than just Watford and there's a couple others you know there's uh, there's Quina uh, who we uh Domingos Quina who we signed for only a million pounds um from West Ham uh, on the uh, deadline day and he's a very young lad had played in West Ham's uh, first team but he's just a ball of energy and you know of those things where you think how can you be 19 how can you be that young you, you know, he's, he's a wiser head on his head uh, on his shoulders then uh, than you would expect so it's really fantastic to sort of see a variety of players uh slightly older like Etienne and, and, and Ben and younger players sort of coming together um, but they've been the, the, the shining lights, I suppose, for, for the squad this year.
1: Yeah. When you look at that midfield, actually, that, that, that's something that, um, as we move on to talking about the game now, this, uh, this Wednesday, not altogether looking forward to sort of coming up against them, because I think it's, uh, it, it's certainly going to be a key battle for sure. But in, in terms of how you'd expect, uh, having to approach a game like this then at, um, at Anfield this week, I mean, I know you didn't see the game earlier on today in terms of Liverpool Man United, but it was a, it's probably better that you didn't, you, you, you didn't miss mm-hmm. anything, I can tell you that much. Uh, and, um, it does seem as though Liverpool have, have struggled to, um, uh, perform at their highest level when they, when they have these extended breaks, whether it be seven days, ten days. So it's, it's probably a good thing that we're back in the thick of it, um, at the moment. But, um, how do you expect, uh, Javi Grassi to approach this, um, uh, this type of game?
2: I don't think it's going to be much of a different side to the one that uh, played against Cardiff, but there, you can just imagine some slightly different tweaks to it with a slightly more uh, defensive thought process to, to handle your, your front three, if it will be three, of course. Um, so I, I, I can see, you know, Dini Delafay, and Pereira sort of starting with Will Hughes, Abedal de Coray and Ettingham in the middle, um, and the back line... It's probably the, the only place where it, it might start. It'd be Messina uh, on the left because Holabas is uh, still suspended. Um, it will be Craig Cathcart, who's been again immense this year, um, uh, and probably Raja Mariappa started on against Cardiff, um, and probably be the same, uh, and then uh, Yamat uh, on on Darryl Yamat out on the right, and uh, Ben Foster and goal. So it's not going to be very different. The... the the weird bit, I suppose, not not a comfortable bit, but you know, Yanmat isn't quite as defensively minded as you'd, you'd want uh, against a side like Liverpool. So you might see some changes, changes there. But Messina isn't as an attacking um, left back uh, as Holobath can be, and so yeah, they had a, a, a quite a, a nothingness of a game. Really, we weren't really challenged that much by Cardiff. So that's how I sort of expect it um and and definitely be four at the back uh rather than anything more than you know trying to get the the wingers to bomb on um especially not early on
1: and and where do you view sort of the the key battles taking place is it going to be that likes of Decoré and Kapui um against uh what will probably be Ginny uh, I guess um Ginny Alden, Fabinho and uh Probably cater actually after today because I think Henderson didn't uh, didn't play very well. Certainly didn't didn't seem to, to take being substituted at Old Trafford very well either. Um, and uh, in terms of the front three as well, I think actually uh, you're, you're probably going to be without uh, uh, facing Firmino. I think uh, I think he left Old Trafford on crutches is is is, is what I believe I saw. So uh, he, he's probably going to miss this game as well. But in terms of mm. where you see um, sort of the key battles taking place, and also where you think. Uh, um, where you, you think you can potentially get some joy against us? Would it be trying to exploit um, moves for the counter?
2: Uh, yeah, possibly. If Dan Telefeo keeps the speed up he, was, he had on Friday, then yeah, there's there's a huge potential for some some countering. Um, the, the the game we won or lost, um, I think, in the midfield and how much influence we can have on that. Um, Decoré and Kapu, uh and, and and even with Will Hughes uh, and Prayer on the on the other side, uh, I can just sort of see them being a little bit more, but definitely someone like Pereira, um, a little bit sitting back as a midfielders rather than as, you know, wingers or, um, you know, just behind the front two. So that's that's where the, the, I think our game would be completely won or lost. Um, our defence, you know, we we were, we were sort of after another centre back um, on, our, on our fans' wish list when it came to January. Um, it's not a terrible defence but you know it has its it, it is what it is um, and then up front you know with, with 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 Jerry up front you know there's a possibility of, of that's where goals could come from and Troy will do his best to, uh, to have a go at uh, Van Dijk
1: Of course yeah we know about that that long-standing relationship of course that they seem to be uh... Seem to be striking up, but, um, I mean, certainly in terms of knowing how Van Dyke smells, apparently, as well, which is a, <laughs> a nice little detail Dini put in there. But, um, in terms of when you're looking at Liverpool side, I mean, the, the, the front three, as you mentioned, um, even if it is without Firmino this time around, um, they obviously usually grab the headlines, um, as being the real key threats. I'm not sure how much of Liverpool you, you've seen this season, but in terms of the actual, the, the players or, or threats you're not looking forward to, dealing with or think that um could be toughest the the toughest test for you who, who would it be would it would it be those usual names to the Salah and uh, Sadio Mane or or is it somebody
2: else <laughs> in many ways I never look at individual players of a team you know what what actually scares me of teams are teams that are teams that have uh, a mental approach um and you know your front three are, are the cherries on on top of it. So there's a real solid, great football team that is Liverpool, um, and we would have to be um, at our best to get a, a win out of you, um, or you would have to have a very much an off day um, somewhere along the line. In you know, that, that classic, you know, a mistake here, penalty there. That's that's probably where Watford would get gained from, and so what am I scared of? I don't know if I'm really petrified of, of Liverpool um, at this point, um, but absolutely knowledge that it's there in abundance when it's needed. So I say if, if, if we play and, and we express ourselves uh, in the way that we can, um, in the places that we can, then it will be a, a great what for performance and hopefully just won't be as many goal differences as it has been, yeah, home or away. Um But you you really want to see players like the core sort of really just sort of dominating that midfield uh, for for him uh, as well as our, our club because he's the sort of player of the right age where a step up somewhere to a like, Liverpool or to someone else um, is what he needs to do, uh, and you really want to see even players like Delphay uh, and and Pereira to. To shine uh, on a slightly bigger stage, um, where their approach and their headspace is is to to do something and to be influential, um, not just be scared and, and quiet in the corner.
1: No, of course, yeah, you, you, you'd want them to express themselves, to to take that opportunity, and of course, we'd want them to uh, to have the, the quietest game possible, of course, uh, but. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of then, I guess putting you on the spot for a prediction then for, for Wednesday's game. Um, I know you've got to perhaps rush off, but uh, uh, what would that uh, scoreline be? I, I guess, what, what does your heart say? What does your head say?
2: 1 0 Watford. 1 0 Watford. <laughs> I who would say that though. Who, who <laughs> be the goalscorer? <coughs>
1: Ooh,
2: uh, Will Hughes.
1: Will Hughes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't,
2: I'm not. I'm not a massive predictor. Oh, but really. um, one nil Watford uh always. Uh, I think I did a thing on the BBC website once where you you <laughs> could find out what the average score was uh, of your times for the club, and mine was one nil. So I thought I'd go with that.
1: One or Watford, of course. So uh, anyway, John, thanks so much for all that insight on Watford. I mean, it, it has been a fascinating sort of club to to talk about over the past couple of years, um, in the way in which you've done things. You mentioned there some of the consistency behind the scenes, but the chopping and changing, I guess, on the front end. Um, and now the, this stability under Javi Gracia and the way in which you've uh, been able to express yourselves this season, it, it does look like things are going from, uh, from strength to strength there. So yeah, thanks again for all that, uh, for all that insight. No worries thanks for having me guy bringing you in um i mean first and foremost uh, just, uh, we had to focus on that on that drab game of course um <laughs> drab nil uh, nil it has taken us to the top of the of the table, one point clear of uh let's face it a record breaking um in- incredibly talented manchester city side uh, so I think we should always have that in perspective very hard to in the in the immediate aftermath of the game but uh First to ask you what you thought of the performance, and then what you thought of the result, um, whilst it's still nice and raw for you, uh, what would you uh, what would you say?
0: Yeah, I mean <laughs> you kind of do have to separate the two, don't you? I suppose, but um, performance-wise, we were—I'm trying to pick a word that's harsh enough, so I'm going to go with abysmal. It—it um, it was probably one of the worst or dis- most disappointing performances of the season, and I think. You have to kind of, you kind of have to contextualize it with the, with the result. I mean, a draw was a good result before the game, but I mean, then you look at what actually happened in the game. They were had three injuries in the first half. Rashford was injured all game. They were basically playing with ten men, and um, I think we ended up having one shot on target. So that that's just horrendously disappointing for me. Um, I think it's a. I think you have to put it as a wasted opportunity myself. I think the fact that Man United kind of, well, obviously we don't know what their game plan was because it changed so much so quickly, but what it turned into was just a proper Jose Mourinho performance, sit back and then hope something happens on the counter-attack and stuff. And it almost it almost nearly did a couple of times, whether it was just a freak goal or... I mean, a fully fit Rashford probably would have jumped on a couple more a couple more threatening occasions, but fortunately that didn't happen. But yeah, we, we were so disappointed, we were so disjointed and I'd, I'd just call it a wasted opportunity, Harry.
1: Yeah, I think my immediate sort of reaction to it was just... Um, I mean, I, I, I was actually watching it, just to, to add some context to I was watching it with a bunch of uh, uh, friends of mine, a couple who actually are, are United fans, and when I arrived to actually... Watch at the pub. I mean, they were all bricking it completely. That they were, that they were completely convinced that it was going to be a comfortable win for for us. Um And then when the injuries started to to happen as well, I mean, they were, they were almost despondent. I mean, they were, they were the actual players that we had to to give us some foothold in this game are now being injured. Um, so what hope have we got? And then uh, of course you got Rashford on the pitch who. Um, he was on a pitch, but he, 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 he was barely playing at full tilt. He's clearly injured, uh, worryingly seemed to be playing, uh, just by being given painkillers, which of course we know is a, a really stupid, stupid thing to, to ask a young player to do. So I'm sure Sai was delighted, uh, by that. But, um, the opportunity was there. I think I, I sort of described it after the game as, uh, to me, it seemed like a, like a cowardly performance, to be honest, um, and it's it's something I wanted to ask you about as well. We, we, uh, do you think it was, I mean, we can talk about the setup and some of the individual players in a second, but in terms of the occasion uh, and the context around the occasion, and it's always a big game against United, but so much riding on this one as well, because the, the, the title race that we're in and the fear, I suppose, of, yeah we we couldn't lose that game. we couldn't really afford to lose it um we felt like that could have been a doom and gloom situation if we had done. Do you think that the occasion uh, got to those players
0: um possibly i I'm, I'm it's weird because when Rafa was in charge when I was growing up all these man united, man united matches were proper heated affairs, obviously you had Gerard and Vidich getting loads of red cards and uh, I think uh Scholes got one for punching a lot andzo and stuff like that i remember but I mean, this last decade or so, they've been rather dull in in comparison to them. I mean, we had, obviously Gerard got sent off on his last one, if I remember correctly, but it was probably the last one I remember that got proper heated. These last few have been, or maybe since um, Van Gaal and especially Mourinho, they've just been dire, horrendous matches where it just kind of turns into those matches where it's 70% possession, which doesn't suit us, obviously, and they just they just soak it up for ninety minutes, and it's it's horrendous. And I don't think I don't think the occasion got to them on this on this certain uh, this specific match. I just think the match it just fell into one of those matches that just doesn't suit us whatsoever. And I know you said we mentioned the the lineup and a couple of players, but I think the team we picked it just didn't really suit the match that it ended up turning into. So I don't think it's the occasion. I think it just ended up the matched state if that's what we'd call it just it just fell really badly for us in terms of their their whole game plan just fell out the window within the first half and then our our game plan it, it just it just didn't suit to having that much of the ball i suppose
1: yeah you do wonder whether or not um you know, with a full strength team as well uh you, you imagine Solskjaer would have allowed- Wanted his United side to really go at us, and that could have created opportunities for us to counter more effectively. Um, clock, after the game, we kept mentioning rhythm as well, um, and how the injuries and, uh, um, everything around that just completely destroyed any rhythm we, that we had, and we never seemed to be able to recover it, which was kind of worrying, I guess, if you think that I was hoping after the, um, half time break that we, we might sort of be able to regroup. Yeah, refocus now, of course the first half was was disrupted so much by injuries that you know it can be tough to sort of, to recapture that rhythm but after the half time break you you'd hope that the club uh sorry, the the players would be able to actually you know recapture or or rediscover at least what the game plan is uh, didn't seem to be able to uh, to move on to i guess then focusing on individual players because it's it's going to be important We'll be we coming to this game on Wednesday as well. Who who lines up for us? But um, for me, I, I coming back to the midfield really in that I I didn't see anywhere near enough impetus or or actual determination to to drive forward to create something. Uh, we had Fabino, uh, Henderson, of course, and uh, and Juan Alden. Uh, Henderson coming in for Cater that we'd seen in, in midweek against Bayern. Uh, and we know what all those three um, possess in terms of their qualities, and, and as you mentioned, maybe it's the wrong type of game uh, for for that three. Um, but where did you feel that we fell down then today in terms of? Because it, I was surprised at times, guy. I'm not sure about you, that um, it didn't seem like you know we're a team trying to trying to win the league here. And um, you know, 20 minutes before the end, 10 minutes before the end, even five minutes before the end, it did seem like we'd we'd settled uh, um, for a draw quite early on.
0: Yeah, I think you're spot on there. We definitely, we definitely settled, and I mean, even in the last few minutes, we were, we weren't panicking, trying to get the ball in the box or anything like that. We were, we were t- tippy tapping the ball around at centre back and say, well, j- j- at least try getting it in the box. It was just, it was doing my head in at that stage. But, at least um, the
1: memory from sort of the way in which I think you'd mentioned it yourself when Origi destroyed Everton as a football club, yeah, that came from a, a hopeful hoofed mm, into, yeah. So it was, it was all the more surprising that there wasn't that. But, yeah, what, why do you think that was so, so so stale in midfield?
0: I just don't think... I think that three could work, but in certain games, as I said earlier. But, I mean, for me, Fabinho did his job fine. I think Pogba got the better of him a couple of times, and that's always going to happen. Pogba's a very good player. But, I mean, the other two, Henderson, he's not the player he was. We all know this. Everyone knows this. And to expect him to, and I'm not saying Klopp expect him, but some people probably expect him to be that 13, 14, 14, 15 player who gets beyond the striker and provides a link to um, to the to, to the forward line. He's not that player anymore, so I'd expect him to be the in-between man who kind of helps Fabinho do his job. So I, it's probably not the popular answer, but I've got to look at Ginny here. We We saw him against Bournemouth become this almost marauding, number 10 link player who provided a goal for it, got beyond the strikers, obviously scored that brilliant chipped goal and and was a danger throughout. But in in other games we see this version of Ginny where he's safe. He's he's too safe. And for me, that's where my frustration comes with Ginny Rynald. Like I'm not he's obviously been our best midfielder this season. I'm not saying that is, but I think sometimes he gets off quite easy from the fan base because Ability-wise, he should be one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. He probably has been this season, but sometimes he—I'm not saying he—he goes hiding or anything like that—but he just doesn't perform to the to what his ability should be. Because he, you watch him for Holland, you watch him in some of our games. And he's playing like he's playing like almost like a prime Gerard. He does everything, attacking a bit of defending. Obviously, he's probably more defensive-minded than Gerard was. Um, but you're watching for Holland, especially, and he's a goal threat. Whereas today we just saw him, oh, he keeps the ball well, you can't really tackle him, but he he, he doesn't create anything. Uh, so I think that make kind of wrong, and it's, it's weird. I think we just got to hopefully, you just got to gamble on which Ginny turns up on the day. But on ter- in terms of the rest of the pitch, I mean, um, I was just recording uh, Rate Don't Hate there, and James Milner had double or more than double the touches of Robertson. That that just screams a no-no there. And the fact that Trent wasn't playing himself is a problem for me anyway. But Robertson, although he's not been in his best form, um, probably in 2019 or since he's got his new contract, or uh, since he's, um became a father, that's probably a more, a more logical reason where he might um, interrupt his sleeping and stuff like that. He's not been in the best form. But James Milner is a 33-year-old midfielder playing outside, out of position, and is not that great at crossing in the first place. And the fact that Robertson had half his touches, it, it just kind of... And, and Ashley Young was playing that side. I mean, why would you not target Ashley Young? Why would you target Shaw with your oldest, slowest player? It just didn't make sense to me. So I thought we were just kind of wrong in all of it. And, well, the front three was just horrendous whenever they got involved. Why,
1: why do you uh, think we made that change with we, with Milner? Because uh, perhaps there was the fear that Lukaku would pull onto one side and target someone like Trent. And, and, and we saw, actually... a. Last season, I, I was talking about it pre-game, uh, whether rightly or wrongly, sort of Trent was lambasted for the way in which you know, his performance went last time around at Old Trafford, where sort of Lover lost out in the air a couple of times, and, and you know, they, uh, Rashford exploited the space that sort of Trent had left. Um, if I'm Trent Alexander-Arnold, I, I, I'm going to Klopp's door. I'm knocking on it, saying, you know, "I'm a local lad. This game means everything to me. Uh, I remember what happened last season." Uh, you know, I'd want the chance to sort of redeem myself, um, even if I don't you know, really need to. Um, it's, it's a big game for me. And we know what he can provide, um, to us in, uh, in open play as well, to his, his ability to cross the ball. If, if we were gonna, I mean, it's, it's, it's with hindsight now, but if we were gonna cross the ball <laughs> as many times as we actually did, um, it, I guess it would have, would have helped to have one of the, one of the better crosses of the ball on the pitch, um, in Trent. I mean, why, why do you think we did opt for that? Was it, was it a case of just Klopp wanting to get yeah, you know, the stalwarts of Milner and uh, Hendo on the pitch for a game like this?
0: I think it's a bit of that. And I think Klopp mentioned um, the fact that Trent's obviously been unfit for a good few weeks and his first game back was um, the Bournemouth game or whatever it was, I can't remember. Um, yeah, so I think it's a bit of that. But I do agree that he loves getting or just crow Milner into the team anyway, shape or form. Uh, but more worrying for me is the fact that he didn't recognise the amount of space Milner was having and make a substitute. Because if you didn't want to start him, fair enough. But the fact that the game just turned into such a such a huge mess, it uh, as we've both said, it was it almost became a perfect game for Trent, and it, it kind of reminded me of that PSG game at Anfield, where Trent literally had about eighty yards of space because nobody could be bothered defending him, and. We just Milner just didn't take advantage of that at all, and as you said, we Milner just crossed it about seven hundred thousand million times, and I'm fairly sure he didn't hit anyone from an open player one. If I if that if I heard the statistic correctly, yeah. which is fairly abysmal. <laughs> so yeah, I think Trent should have definitely been subbed on, but I mean the fact that he didn't sub on Trent, it, it must mean his in his fitness must not be. To scratch to me, I suppose.
1: No, of course, and, and you, we do have these games coming thick and fast, and, and, and maybe it's, uh, you know, there's a lot more data available to the club than is than, available to us. Maybe it was being sort of um, you know, sensibly cautious and all that, but yeah, a bit weird that we didn't see the, those changes made. I, I did think the substitutions were a little bit strange. Um, yeah, I. I Think again; it's easy to say with hindsight, but even having a player like Hater, who we know has certain abilities to dribble or whatever, um, and he, he seemed seem to be in a good moment at the uh, over the over the past few games, w- would have made sense. Um, just before we get on to sort of talking about the upcoming games and uh, you, w- what we might want to see for it, but you know, this game, it, end of the day, it's a it's a it's an un- it's another point. We go one point clear at the top of the league. Um just wanted to ask you how you you feeling about the fact that in the last four games of course, um it's been what, so nil nil against United of course, that 3 0 win against Bournemouth, uh, the two back to back draws against Leicester and West Ham, and then that narrow win against uh against Palace. Um what have you made of our form then since the uh since the start of the year? Um obviously not been as impressive as as towards the end of last year. Um, and and do you have any sort of um, wider concerns about uh, you know, how we've been playing, or do you think it's the fact that we need to stop having these breaks, get back into the thick of it, and the rhythm will uh, will come back for us?
0: I think that's a good point about the rhythm. To be fair, I haven't really thought of that. Um, but yeah, there is there is a, a, a good few concerns, I suppose. Um, just, I think the front line is just massively out of form or out of rhythm as as you as you pointed out there. And and that's a worry. Um obviously a couple things. I mean Leicester we probably should have had a penalty and stuff like that, but we played abysmally. Um West Ham got lucky with an offside goal um which was what two miles offside. Uh and then again we played horrendously that game as well. Um, Bournemouth was obviously back to back to normal. But I mean Bournemouth are if we wanted an easy result Bournemouth's our go to team um so I, I, it it's weird i think Bournemouth hopefully Bournemouth was hopefully or oh, i thought it would be us getting back on track but i'm kind of worrying that that was the outlier in, in in this year as you mentioned um obviously we scored a lot of goals against palace but that attack that, that game was such a mess for many reasons so yeah i'd, I'd have to say the null attack is uh, is a bit of a worry but I think we've, I think we're kind of finding st- stuff back. We're kind of getting back into the groove. I mean, the back four is, well, once st- one when Trent get back to um, gets back to normal, or full fitness. Um, hopefully that means we have a settled back four because I think Matip's been very good. Um, since he's kind of got his starting spot back, or came back from fitness. Um, as I said, Robbo's not in his best form. But he, he's probably the least of our problems um so yeah i think the fact that we're almost back to a settle back four is promising the midfields looking a bit bad. i know it wasn't very good today as we mentioned but i think the midfields getting back to looking like something i think we've got i think we've got four good options there now i know it wasn't good today henderson mixes the he splits the fan base and and so on but i mean fabinho wouldn't drop a now um it, Didn't take too long to settle in, uh, but he's undroppable. Now, as I said, ginny has been our best midfielder this season just because he's played longer than Fabinho for me. So he's really undroppable. And then um, Keita seems to be coming into his own as well, so that's good. So it's not all good in 2019 and we need to start scoring more goals. But I think the rest of the pitch is almost getting better. We just need a couple of our old reliable players. I mean, looking at Robbo there and and Salah and... um, Bobby, except for uh, possibly Mane of, of today's showing to get just get back in form, and I'm sure we'll click into form.
1: Yeah, no, I th- I, th- I think you're right about that. Yeah, I, 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 one interesting point that I saw sort of being discussed after the game as well is if we look at the title challenge that we actually have this year, it's it has actually been, if we are honest with ourselves, really a bit weirdly for Liverpool considering our, our reputation, considering the creative talent or the attacking talent that we have. It's actually, been, it's been built really on our defense is hasn't it? It's, it's been built on Van Dyke, it's been built on the, the partnership we had with Gomez, uh, Allison in goal, um, Dan Kennett after the game, just saying that um, 15 conceded, of course, uh, 21.4 XG conceded uh, an xG ratio, still at 1.4, so actually sort of deciphering all that. It means that we're actually projected probably around to, at the moment, if we keep going how we are, and you imagine it would get a little bit better, as you mentioned, as it returns to a settled bat four. Probably going to concede about 21 22 goals all season. Um, so six more goals in, in, in 11 games if you're going by those models. I mean, that's in anyone's book, that's completely elite in terms of sort of how we're uh, you know, tightening up. And you, you look at the remaining games, you think, yeah, in terms of how we defend, yeah, we've become much tougher to beat. Some people I saw today trying to sort of frame the game against United as, was this our Chelsea game, for example, a 13-14, where you know, it, 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 in another season we would have thrown caution to the wind and maybe got caught, as we nearly did, to be honest, um, at one stage. Um, but this time we didn't re-emerge with a point, um, which they seemed to settle for uh, a while ago. Uh, do you think then that there is that, I mean, we should have confidence in, in our ability to stay in this title race, not only because of the attacking talent we have, but more... Um, more uh, around the fact that this defence is really the reason uh, why we are even in the conversation at the moment um, as league leaders.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's the only reason we are in a title race for me is is the defence. And as you said, it uh, twenty one, twenty two, whatever it is. Um, it, it, if that's what we're on course for, and that's what we actually achieve, if if Man City beat us, I mean, they, they, I mean, we we must have slipped up, obviously, because. 'Cause we're leading at the minute and we're on the same games played now and all that stuff. But um, yeah, if we concede that many that many goals, I mean <laughs> I'm not used to this. It, obviously Rafa had a very good defence, but it's been <laughs> so long, I'm not used to it. <laughs> it's just it's great having it. it's great having a defence you can, you can rely on. I mean, today there was a couple of dodgy moments, but mostly you just look at interscope. Well, Van Dijk's gonna get that. And he, even now I'm kinda of getting that with Matip. I, I had that with Gomez at the start. Part of the scene but now I'm looking at Mattip and just going, hey, he, he, mm. Apart from when he's marauding forward, <laughs> like a, like an absolute unit. Um, he, he was I, very
1: aggressive today. I thought. Yeah,
0: like. I thought it was uncharac- uncharacteristically aggressive. He, he, uh, maybe he's been. Te- maybe Lovren's taught him a couple of things, which might be a bad thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm. I, I'm kind of getting used to the fact that we can defend and I don't like that <laughs> because one day one day I'll be hurt by that <laughs> like I was back in 2010 um, but yeah I mean you're definitely right we're, we're built we're building this season and this title charge on the defense and as long as two players stay fit and Alisson and Van Dijk are the obvious ones there if, the, if them two stay fit I know I've just I've just championed a settled back four, but them two, if they, they need to stay fit for us to keep this title charge, on cost, well, we we know who's back up to Allison and we only have our only other centre back. Um uh, well, our other centre backs are all bugged. So yeah, we we need Van Dyke and he's he's just different gravy. Um so yeah, yeah, you're definitely right on that. And uh, hopefully the uh, uh attackers and the forwards kind of show a form of last season. I don't think they can be as that chaotic, but hopefully they can actually score some bloody goals this
1: year. 11 mm. 1 nils, maybe. The remainder of the season it could that be, ag- could be agony. But, um, of course, one thing we saw was Bobby going off the pitch. Uh, emerges that apparently he's, he left the ground in, in in crutches, um, or on crutches rather. So that's that's not good. We saw Studge come in and, uh, look as ineffective as a player who has. Barely kicked a ball for I mean God knows how long it is really, but if, if Klopp's keen on rhythm as we've been talking about it a lot in, in this pod um that guy had none and it, I think it showed absolutely even even with the talent we know he has um just didn't appear to link up with anybody with any sort of real great sort of um any, any sort of great harmony uh coming into the Watford game then you know it's, it's a chance for again three day turnaround back into it I guess probably the best way to um, come off two nil nil draws. I mean, although very different types of games is get back at a game at home, uh, at Anfield against, uh, Watford, who I think we you, you heard John talking about. They've been playing much better this season, of course. They're definitely not an easy opponent to, to face, but, um, yeah, one that we would you know, hope and expect to, to beat at Anfield. Um, do you think there's going to be any changes then in terms of the, the lineup that we saw today? I mean, the Firmino one looks like it's going to be enforced. Who, who would you uh, switch, uh, Switching for Bobby, um, and would you look to, to change anything in the midfield? Maybe with Kater coming back in uh, for one of the three. I, I know you said that Ginny didn't have a as good a performance today.
0: I'd thought I'd, I'd probably be the only one. Maybe me and Simon Brundish, but I'd soldier on with Sturridge. Um, the other options, I just don't see them. Um, Shakiri has been an empty shirt since Newcastle. I think that was his last goal or assist. But even even then, he's negative. I mean, people may say storage is negatively affecting the team, and fair enough with that. But I think Shakiri, the fact that he obviously plays in midfield rather than up front, he, he kind of, he's not. I mean, this is going to be, sound weird, but when a player statistically is offering less creativity than Adam Lalana, that is a worry. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, Shakiri's probably the most likely to do so, but I, I think he's been awful since the turn of the year. Um, Origi, I like him, but he just doesn't offer anything. And albeit storage has not been great in his very sporadic uh, minutes and stuff like that, we saw at the start of the season, once he gets somewhat of a run, whether it's one start and then 20 minutes, it, he can have an effect. And now that he's hard, what's... Sixty odd minutes, maybe not seventy odd minutes. Whatever he had to do, give him a start against a Watford team who probably can't, def- probably may come out us a bit more than the Man United team. Um, um, but yeah, it's. Um, I think I think he got a goal with storage. I think the fact that he was trusted today, I think he can offer most of the stuff Bobby does apart from the legs, and that obviously might be one of the key things, but. A, a fit and firing storage or a, an in-rhythm storage can offer the passing, the shooting, probably the
1: better shooting. Um, and we saw Studge actually linking up very well, mm, actually, early in the season with Naby, didn't we? The, the, the two yeah. seem to actually unlock each other mm-hmm. a little bit. I, I wonder whether, if if we are going to um, press forward with Studge in the team, um, whether it needs to be with Naby in there as well.
0: Yeah, that that's a very good point. I mean, I think today, Sean, against teams who might sit deep Naby's probably going to be key because the midfield today just didn't really get beyond or had no dribbler. It didn't have anyone. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, just had no one who could take the ball more than two yards and pass it. So I think Naby against these teams, obviously they're going to have um, Dekoure and uh, Kapu, I imagine, who are two big lads and probably the best midfield outside of the top six um, off the top of my head. Maybe Wolves can compete with that. Um, But yeah, I mean Naby's the sort of one you kind of, make them to think about something rather than just run at you um so yeah I think that's a good point and if 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 big if if Firmino is injured for a long time I think you gotta think who can offer us the most over a sustained period of time and I think the only answer there is storage so you might as well try and suffer through the bad and then get him into some sort of form rather than just um swapping between them three players um who I mentioned earlier. But yeah, I think Naby and Sturridge obviously have that natural chemistry and seem to be um quite friendly on, on sort on Instagram and stuff like that. So it'll be quite interesting to see if they can form that link again. Um and I and I don't think we'll ever see Mane and Salah play that badly again. So I mean some people say Sturridge is the cause of the of the disconnected in the Manchester United game today, day, but I mean if if even if one of them played better, we'd probably see a better version of storage. So I think that's the only the only ones. And maybe I know this is going to be me champion Moreno and stuff like that, but Robertson is very much out of form. And if he if he just needs a break, obviously Lukaku. I think he had a, a wrist a cast on his wrist or his hand after Lukaku fell on it. So he might just it might just be a good excuse to give him a break. And I'd like a really. Really, really like to see um, Trent come back in. That might mean uh, Milner goes to left back actually, and probably a more realistic option. But we definitely need to see Trent back, and um, yeah, Naby and Sturridge for me is um, buggered.
1: And in terms of Watford this season, I mean, I'm not not sure how much you, you you've seen them this season, but they do, of course, have uh, plenty of players who could cause us trouble. Pereira. Uh, um, uh... Delafeo scored, coming off a game where he scored a hat trick. Of course, Um in midfield, De Cource and Capu, um, no, by any means uh, slouches in in that midfield. It's, it's, it's going to be uh, quite a physical encounter, you'd imagine, um, and that's where we need to try and overwhelm them to actually get control of the game. You, you, you'd sense, um, but what sort of game are you expecting uh, uh, from Watford?
0: Um, the little bits and pieces I've seen of them, I think they're just going to have to try and overpower us. And I think that almost suits us, especially with um, Troy Deeney. Uh, I, I mean, he, he's, his love for Van Dyke is well known from earlier in the season. Um, but yeah, I think their front line almost suits us. I think Delefeu is probably the one who can cause us most problems because he can run beyond, whereas um, Troy Deeney probably just going to um, try and scrap with Van Dyke, And we've seen players like that most of them fail, if not all of them fail this season against Van Dijk. So, yeah, I think I think they'll just be... I think the midfield battle will be the key one. So, I mean, Fabinho 100%, 100% has to play in this game for me. And um, we've already mentioned Naby. So, maybe go to a 4-2-3-1 with that um, and then have them too as a partnership. Uh, but Ginny will probably play because he plays 99% of the games. Um, but, yeah, I think... I think the midfield be the key one because if they can bypass hours on um, I think he's had injury problems and there was rumors that he was going, he was linked to PSG and, and may have been kicking up a fuss. But did, whatever with that, if he's playing, he's obviously got a shot on him. Capu, I don't think he's got that much of a, a threat. But then Pereira, dangerous. Um, and if it's Will Hughes or whoever um, playing on the other side, he's he's a quite a clever player. But I'd have to look at the midfield. Field and Decor is the one who can have a moment of magic, and uh, that that's probably the worry for me.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right in terms of the actual the the key players, the ones who you, you'd imagine would be, if if they if they were going to cause us trouble, it's, it's probably going to come from from those three: the Pereira, Decor,ay, um, uh, Dini. Of course, he, hopefully he's, he he is too busy sort of smelling Van Dyke, but uh, the other guy, um, and Feo maybe. he uh, uh, as long as he can sort of rediscover his Everton form, I think that should be. Oh yes, sh- shouldn't be too bad for us. I mean, it, w- it w- would be quite nice. They've reached forty points now. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's safety is there. It's uh, ho- hopefully they can already find themselves on the beach. I, I'm not I'm not expecting that at all, of course. But uh, if I was to put you on the spot then, guy, um, and ask you for a score prediction for this game, are you predicting goals? <laughs> I ask you after after, after two nil nil draws. <laughs>
0: That's the one question there. Um... I'm liking your idea earlier of the eleven one nils in a row, so I'll go one nil. <laughs>
1: oh, dear God, no! Yeah, I mean, I, I, I suggested it because like, that's the bare minimum that we can do. But I'm not sure of my nerve I mean, I think that'll really test all of our nerves when it, when there's a when there's a chance for uh, for Wolves on the final day, of the season. Oh God, uh, no! Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to go for. I mean, we, we don't see enough of them these days. I'm going to go for a two nil win at home, just calm the nerves. Um, get back to winning ways, but I think it's really going to be the performance, isn't it, that we're we're all looking at to, to try and see a more encouraging uh, performance. Um, I guess we we could be being too harsh because that Bayern Munich performance, it, it, it wasn't terrible. That we did create chances, we just didn't take them. Uh, and then Bournemouth beforehand was was definitely encouraging. But yeah, I'm going to go for a two nil, a two nil win, hopefully, and it's uh, get us back to winning ways as we um move ahead afterwards for the uh, looking ahead to the derby on the third so anyway guy thanks for coming on and, and, and you've done you a bunch of sort of pods as well in in the aftermath of that game and uh it was, it was great to speak to john as well about uh about all things Watford but uh but before uh, before we do wrap up guy was there anything that you wanted to plug yourself
0: um yeah i have to relive the manchester united game in full but i Good. will be forced this time uh obviously on face off and uh we'll pretty much be talking about the injury because that's the only thing that happened
1: yeah, probably talk about sort of Lingard. I mean, cause that looked like one of the most irresponsible things I've seen. Oh, are you? I mean, alongside the Rashford, because Lingard clearly wasn't fit. Uh, and then he's forced to come on and now has a terrible hamstring, uh, hamstring injury, apparently. And Rashford, I guess, is just... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not a United fan, of course, by any stretch of the imagination, so I'm, I'd, I'd be fine if he was out for a while. <laughs> but uh, it seemed like a very dodgy thing to do, to, to just ask him to play on painkillers for that entire game. Um, so yeah, plenty to plenty to talk about there. But uh, anyway, um, to all, all all the listeners, it's not been the most exciting of uh, of days uh, to be a Liverpool fan. Uh, but of course, we do move back to the top of the league with that point game at Old Trafford. Uh, no loss. Uh, we, it was a must not lose game, and we we come away with it with a point. So moving on to uh, to Watford, and uh, we'll, we'll be back again uh, next week to preview the uh, the derby. Of course, as uh, hopefully Everton will be good old faithful and give us those uh, give us those three points so thanks so much for listening and uh, we'll be back again next week sports social podcast network